0: If the same politicians who refuse to act then are going to try to come back today.
2: The real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the, in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. A system of justice will be the richer for diversity of background and experience. <laughs> correction. Hello, everybody. It's me, Ms. Cracker. I'm here with my co-pilot, Caitlin, and it's time for She's a Woman. It's a podcast for every human being who looks into the mirror and says she's a woman. And today we're celebrating 20 episodes. Really? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, really
2: That's incredible. 20 weeks. That's 20 that's weeks of hard work. That's
1: not a short amount of time, you know? <laughs>
2: no, it is not a short <laughs> amount of time. But for those of you who haven't been tuning in already, every week we talk to incredible women of all kinds from all walks of life and invite them to share their stories with you, our incredible listeners. And that's exactly what we're going to do today, Caitlin. Now, Caitlin... How are you feeling today? It's winter again in New York.
1: It is. It's suddenly like 40 degrees and freezing, and I'm okay. I am feel weirdly chaotic today. I, I, <laughs> I don't know why. I woke up just like my brain was on overdrive, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel the exact same. I did not want to get out of bed, and then as soon as we got in our scuba... To uh, come here, like, everything was either on fire or under construction, and my street was chaotic, and everything was just, it is just a wild world. And then we went to our regular diner. And it
1: was packed and crowded, so we could not even talk to our diner friends. (laughs) I don't even know what's going
2: on. The people behind the counter that we rely on Uh. to make sure that our day goes well, we couldn't even associate with them, so...
1: We really um, crave stability, I guess.
2: (laughs) We absolutely crave stability. Anyway, speaking of stability, I want to talk about one of the things that we can always count on. We're talking to some incredible women today who are all about period health. And one of the things that is cyclical in our life is your period arriving at the worst possible time. And I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about that today, if you would feel comfortable sharing with our audience some of your trials and tribulations.
1: Yeah, it does. It always seems to come at a really bad time. It always seems to happen like on the morning of like us about to be on like a 12 hour flight or like a like 16 hour long photo shoot day Or, like, the first week of being on a tour bus. And, yeah, it just always seems to be at the worst possible time. I think my most recent one was the morning after my grandpa
2: died. Oh, my God.
1: And I had, like, spent the night with my cousins. And we were all – we just, like, basically stayed up all night reminiscing and, like, drinking and, like, soothing our sorrows. We were really sad. And so we went to sleep at like 4 in the morning, and then I woke up at 7 a.m.
2: And it was time. And and it was
1: time. So I was like sad, tired, and then woken up with horrible cramps and blood. And I was like, I'm already having a horrible week, you know? Yeah. Why why now? Yeah.
2: (laughs) This is something that has developed over the years. I used to, you know, sort of know your rhythm because we spent so much time together but as yeah. things became more chaotic, I learned to just look at what would be the most difficult day on the calendar. <laughs> and this is true. I will just look at the calendar and see what's the most difficult day that we could possibly have. And I'm like, that's the day that our yeah. period is going to arrive. Because it will now move to be earlier or later, depending on which is the yeah. worst possible
1: time. <laughs> and it, um, it seems like you're normally not too far off, you know what I mean, when yeah. you guess that. You're yeah. normally pretty spot on. Yeah. yeah.
2: Spot on, so to speak. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All All right. right. (laughs) What strikes me about this and what made me want to bring it up is the fact that we're always like, oh, your period arrives on the worst possible day. But then I realized what is a good day to have additional pain, additional cramps. Additional, yeah. like, emotional distress. Like, what yeah. is the right day it's, for that it's, to happen? It's true.
1: We always say it arrives at the worst time. But I'm like, maybe that's all in our brains of, like, you it, know what I mean?
2: It makes it the it, worst right, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so what we're going to kind of talk about today is how – this should be taken seriously and how women who suffer from period pain and all the wonderful things that go along with it shouldn't have to suffer that way. And it shouldn't have to be the absolute worst day of your month. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And it also shouldn't be like taboo either. I don't know. It it shouldn't be something that you have to keep hidden if you are going through a lot of pain. And then it also shouldn't be like a... Like punchline, which is it is a lot of punchline. it's like you know what I mean. People will be like, "Ugh, well, she's acting up because she's on her period or whatever." Right. You know what I mean? Especially
2: if you because it are, can be
1: real pain. It can be really you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, especially if you are on a tour bus of mostly oh. men from tour life to regular life. The world is just not set up to make periods a pleasant experience. And we're going to talk to two people that are going to try to change that a little bit, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I want to dive right into our serious, groundbreaking interview. But first, I have a little treat for you, Caitlin. (laughs) Every week, everybody, we do a little segment called Here's the Good News, where we share positive stories torn from the headlines. The idea is that they'll bring you, our listeners, a little hope during these difficult times. And this week, our news is all about four-legged heroes. Okay. Last week, we gave you some pretty serious social justice news, all about how you can help end discrimination against LGBTQIA plus people by calling your senators to support the Equality Act. And by the way, there's still time on that. If you want to go to keshetonline.org/equalityact, that's k e Equality e t online.org/equalityact. The website there will guide you through how to place a call to your senator and support equality. This week, though, I wanted to bring you something a little bit lighter. We're going to talk about hero dogs, Caitlin.
1: Our favorite subject, really. Our favorite subject.
2: (laughs) And I think I was the one that found this, right? You
1: did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I saw this and I was like, here's something that Caitlin is going to want to hear about. (laughs) According to Newsweek, on April 2nd, a bull terrier named Rocky probably after Rocky Balboa. So <laughs> Saved his owner from a house fire that would certainly have toasted him. Fernando Montes de Oca was asleep in bed when he heard Rocky frantically barking. Immediately, Fernando realized that the house had been engulfed in flames and that he would have been consumed as well if his loyal dog had not woken him up in time. Both the dog and the gentleman survived the catastrophe with only minor burns and smoke inhalation. Apparently, a faulty power strip had caused the blaze that cost Fernando almost everything. But it didn't take away his best friend.
1: Aww. Isn't
2: that a lovely tale, Caitlin?
1: That is. It's like kind of sad because his house was still inflamed. (laughs) Right. But... The important part is him and his dog survived. Yeah,
2: and it's a very cute dog. It's a bull terrier, which yeah. is one of my very favorite dogs. They used to be in ads for Budweiser
1: and Target.
2: And Target. <laughs> they're very charismatic yeah, creatures and they're they so have cute. They're- nice stumpy bodies. Yeah,
1: and they have those funny shaped heads, <laughs> yeah. you know. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> There's
2: one named Emma in my building, which I'm sure you know about because I talk about her all the time. Yeah. And uh, she just is so friendly. She has to be kept on a very short leash. It's such she a loves dainty kisses. name
1: for her. <laughs>
2: yeah. She's a dainty. She's yeah. a dainty woman. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, Caitlin, when I was growing up, I used to be terrified of a house fire taking everything. I used to keep a box of things under my bed so that I could run with my, like, stuffed animals if I needed to run away suddenly because of a fire did you ever do something like that
1: yes and i still do like a freak um <laughs> i know i was thinking about this recently i was like i feel like this is a sure sign that anxiety just rules my brain mm. because i just randomly will be sitting there and i'll be like okay let me think about what i would take what i would grab yeah if my house caught on fire right yeah. now and i used to have this thing where i would be like We need to convert all the picture albums in the house to digital so I can just grab a laptop if the house catches on fire. Yeah. Because that way it'll be easier. I won't lose the pictures. They'll be on... The laptop instead of having to grab stacks of photo albums that my mom would keep. So yeah, I definitely, definitely went through that and still think about it.
2: <laughs> I thought that I was going to be the one that was a freak for doing that as a kid, but now No,
1: I, <laughs> I still think about it. To be um, fair,
2: though, Caitlin, your building has caught on fire while you were living there, so
1: it has. So I always think I was like, when it caught on fire, I was like, okay, it probably won't reach my apartment, but. I looked around, I was like, okay, what would I grab if it did? Yeah. And I light a lot of candles. So I'm always thinking about what if my house I think about it a lot. You're a
2: fire. Hustle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's plenty of other tales of hero dogs recently as well. A dog perfectly named, and this is not a joke, he's really named this. A dog perfectly named Hero recently rescued five other dogs and helped them escape a situation of neglect in Columbus, Nebraska. Maybe he heard their whining. Maybe he smelled them. Who knows? But he broke through a boarded up window in a house where hoarders were living, alerting neighbors to their terrible predicament. Apparently the dogs were owned by these hoarders and they had just been left in a room to starve um, amid trash and feces and everything like that. But thanks to Hero, the five dogs were taken to a veterinarian for care. And since then, they have all been adopted into loving homes.
1: Dogs really make the world a better place. They do. Uh
2: Anyway, uh, after last week's more serious news, I wanted to bring you guys something that would bring a smile to your face. And now that I've done that, it's time for a little break. Okay, we're back. Now, before we continue, let me say this. If you enjoy your time with us today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love reviews. In fact, we love (laughs) reviews so much, we're going to read some of our favorite reviews at the end of the show. (laughs) But now it's time for our groundbreaking interview. And Caitlin, you brought these ladies to me. So I was wondering how you discovered them and what inspired you about them.
1: Someone I follow on Instagram shared them in their story and I was kind of intrigued. And so then I went to uh, their Instagram and was like, hmm, here are two sisters that founded this business together, and it's plant-based, and I just thought that they would be good candidates.
2: Yeah, and they really are things that we love. Business women. Yeah. We love sisters. Yep. And we love sisters who are business women. That's right. We really do. (laughs) So here we are. All right, everybody. Lauren and Catherine are twin sisters who founded a company called Semaine Health, a health and wellness company that takes women's pain seriously. As women living with endometriosis and years of period pain, the sisters wanted Semaine to be the natural option that everyone has been looking for. Today, the company combines the deep personal experiences of its founders with PhD-level research to address women's health issues in innovative ways. Their first product specifically addresses period pain and empowers women by providing natural plant-based products that have been rigorously researched and can be taken without a prescription. So Lauren and Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing today? Where are you? What's going on?
0: Oh my gosh, Miss Cracker, thank you so much for having us on. We're, we're so, so excited. excited. So yes, we're going to speak it at the same time a lot, I think. Apologies. We're identical twin sisters, and that just happens. Um, <laughs> it's perfect. But uh, the, the slightly higher-pitched one, that's me, that's Lar, <laughs> and then <laughs> Lar, our Lord. Now and, I feel like I have to talk like, really Well, loud. I just know the more excited I get, the higher I go. So, I um, you know, dogs dogs bark.
3: So generally speaking, Catherine, lower voice, Lar, higher, higher pitch. voice. <laughs> But
0: Got it. We we are so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having us. We are located in Hotlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, and <laughs> that just um, totally dated you. I know. I'm sorry. No we, one says Atlanta we, anymore. Well. Okay, sorry about that. But we we love Atlanta. We are just we literally are two blocks away from Martin Luther King's childhood home. So we're in like the historic part of downtown Atlanta. It's such a cool city, super liberal. It's a great place to be, starting a, a pretty much brand new company. It's very affordable, is and, what she's saying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I actually got a chance to visit my cousins there and it is really a wonderful, wonderful city. So yeah, I know exactly where you're talking about and I know exactly how wonderful it is there. Got to oh, see awesome. that big cemetery.
0: Yes. Oakland. Yes. So Oakland. Cool. We are literally like walking distance to Oakland and yeah. And it's so good if you know somebody in Atlanta. So having a cousin here, because it's kind of lame if you just end up in
3: like the Coca-Cola museum. Yeah. But- if you go from the airport to the downtown, that's about, you see the Coca-Cola museum and the aquarium and you're like, okay. But if it. you know people who can take you to the places, I <laughs> mean, it's, it's that's the way, the to, way do it. to do it. Yeah.
2: And I guess I just told you a lot about my family by telling you that when I visited the first place we went was the cemetery, you know, that's a, we're, we're very, we're an Adams family family, you know,
3: <laughs> so are we We, do that we love that cemetery.
2: <laughs> now, also just to cover this really quickly. In urgent news, you have a dog that is right next to you, and I. this is a very dog-friendly podcast, and we just talked about (laughs) dog news. So if you could just tell us how your dog came to you and what kind of dog it is, I understand he's a heavy breather. (laughs)
0: <laughs> he's a heavy breather and he sighs a lot. So if you hear sighing, that's not us. That is not we, us. We are excited to be here. Okay. Um, Toby, Toby is from the the streets of Atlanta, the West um, End, the West End of Atlanta, and he is a mutt. So he's got a lot of chow. He's big and fluffy, but he's the color of a border collie, and he's a sweetheart, but scared of everything. Everything, um, yeah, everything. Everything makes him jump. So. And he's he's twelve years old, so he's not growing out of that. No,
2: right. <laughs> he's he's set in his ways now.
0: He has set in his way. Yep.
2: <laughs> well, I kind of wanted to know as you're launching a new business, you're still in your formative years of the business. What has it been like to be launching a business in the middle of all of this chaos, in the middle of everything that's happened with the pandemic over the past year?
0: Yeah, it has been it has been intense. Uh, I feel like yes, intense year for everybody. In some ways, we lucked out because we were launching right around beginning of March last year, 2020, as everything was shutting down. I
1: can't. Um, <laughs> so,
0: not planned at all. <laughs> we're like great timing. Yeah. Um, but in some ways, you know, it was it was lucky in the sense we weren't opening a brick and mortar shop, we weren't starting a restaurant, we were starting an online business, and so we had a captive audience of people going stir crazy at home Right. and actually a lot of people who were having more painful periods because of the stress of COVID and the changes that, you know, I think we were lucky because we had an audience that way. We didn't really
3: have to shift or pivot anything that we had planned. And so we did, we actually did reach out to some retailers, like local retailers, because we were like, oh, yeah. we're going to go into boutiques. And they were like, yeah, talk to us in like six months. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So yeah. we're like, true. oh, that's fair. You're closing down. That's yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that. <laughs> that is
0: true. Um, but wh- I think we lucked out in some ways too, because in June we had a couple buyers from larger retailers reach out to us. Yeah. And I don't know if that would have normally happened in a non-COVID year when they're in their offices, meeting with people, but they were, they were also home and looking for new brands.
2: Right.
3: So in some ways, I think we, we actually lucked out. With that, Yeah. Um, so we launched in Target just this past month. And I don't think that would have happened, honestly, if we hadn't come through COVID because the buyer reached out to us. And usually startups go through accelerator programs or they have to go through some kind of channel to get to the buyers. And the buyer reached out to us. So we were so grateful for that. I mean, Target Target would have been the dream
0: retailer anyways. Um, that was like our five-year plan. Yeah,
2: that was our <laughs> five-year plan. That's huge that is enormous. Congratulations. (laughs) Okay. So now that you've gotten to where you are, I want to rewind a little bit. I always say this, but my favorite part of of this podcast is being able to hear women's stories from the very beginning. So tell me, where did you grow up? What was your early relationship like as sisters?
0: Yes, we uh, grew up in, just outside of DC in Maryland. So um, technically still southern, but nobody in DC or Maryland can say. They don't, don't admit South to being southern. southern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Technically below the Mason Dixon line, and Kathy and I—we've, I mean, uh, it's like built-in best friends, basically. Yes. We've, yes. We've really if you
3: can be a twin, I highly recommend it. Yeah, okay. try to be a twin. Okay, um, um,
0: <laughs> put that on the list. Um, so we've been really lucky that way. We were never competitive with each other. We we grew up dancing. We were bunheads. We did ballet for years and years and years. Um, and our dreams were to be dancers, not to sell supplements. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that was what we we wanted to do all through. You know, most girls grow out of that when they're. Like three, and we continued (laughs) that till we were 18. Yeah, we were never competitive with each other. Our dream was always to work together, really. Yeah, we just didn't know how
3: because we didn't know how, not naturally entrepreneurial. And then after Right after college, we went to college together. That's how we came down to Georgia. We started a blog just for fun. This was before anyone else was really reading blogs. right? And we called it Asian Cajuns because we're part Chinese, part Cajun. Our mom's from Cajun, Louisiana. okay, And our dad's family's from Southern China. Wow. <laughs> and, and then it turned into, we kind of like started out just writing about whatever. And then it turned into kind of a fashion blog. And because nobody else was blogging at the time, we we were like minor
0: celebrities in Atlanta because people were like, you have a blog. You know, it was like this magical <laughs> not thing. Not anyone that, you know, can
2: have a blog. Not
0: anyone know. can have a blog. I feel like, so we're definitely dating ourselves now. It was when blogs were new. Yes, And that was the first time we got, I mean, it wasn't a full-time job, but that's the first time we got to really work together consistently. And we loved it because I we studied very different things in college. Kath studied business econ. I studied the most employable major ever, art history. <laughs> and Kath was supposed to be the one that was going to make all the money. And I would just live off of her while I did my creative thing. Yeah, it didn't work out that well, because <laughs> I went into government works. So. Yeah,
1: so. <laughs> misstep,
0: misstep. Um, but yeah, so we were, I feel like we've been really lucky because we've been up to that point, at least we were able to stay geographically really
3: close and, and work together. Yeah. And then we're not going to talk about it, but Laura got married and then they moved to Scotland. So yes. we won't talk about that phase <laughs> in our lives when we uh, weren't living together.
2: Uh, the dream. We talk about that on the podcast, moving to the UK, Scotland or Ireland at, at some point. Oh uh, God. It's so lucky. So I know it's a, a difficult phase in your life, but we'd gladly <laughs> trade with you. Now, when you were about 15 years old, you both began to suffer from really extreme period pain. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and how it sort of shaped you?
1: Yeah,
0: so Kath and I both have always had really painful periods. We we started our periods like 12, 13. We were six months apart. I was very mad that I was the first one to get my period. And we always talk about this being being dancers, uh, a period was just a massive inconvenience to start. It wasn't something we were excited about getting. It was just, you know, it made it harder to be in leotards and tights all the time, especially with the bloating. And then when
3: they started to become painful, yeah, around the time we were 15. Painful and heavy too, which is really hard when you're, you know, you're pretty young teen and you have to learn how to use the tampon and then you'd have to like leave in the middle of class to go change it. Like that was... All stuff that I think it was a little traumatizing, but we were just like, you You got to push through through. it. You power through
0: so you can be a ballerina. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's what ballerinas do. And we just, you know, we, our mom had had
0: painful periods. So it was sort of normalized within our family. And we find that talking to to friends and some main customers, it was the same thing. You know, usually their moms or sisters or cousins also had painful periods. So you don't think of it as something that necessarily needs to be addressed. And when Mm -hmm. we would talk to our doctors, they would just say, oh, yes, we're going to put you guys on birth control and just take over the counter pain meds when things get painful. So we never questioned it. You know, we had horrific cramps. Once in a while, we'd have to miss school we would never miss dance <laughs> never right. miss dance there. through the pain dance yeah. through the pain but you know there no one ever suggested maybe you guys have another condition like endo or well the
3: interesting thing is our mom actually was diagnosed with endometriosis she knew she had it because when she had us she had a cesarean and so they saw scarring right. and stuff like that and all she knew about it and what we learned from her was that it just meant you had painful periods. It wasn't this thing where it was like, Oh, we have this, let's figure out how we're going to cope with it it. and treat it. It was just like, no, this is part of being a woman. Some women have endometriosis and it sucks. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Can you talk a little bit about what endometriosis is for our listeners a little bit?
3: Of course. Yes,
0: absolutely. So endo is essentially when endometrial-like tissue, which usually grows within your uterus, is growing outside of your uterus. So anywhere in the pelvic cavity is sort of the most common, but it can even be by your diaphragm, up in your lungs, even in your brain. But most commonly it's in your sort of pelvic cavity. So around all your organs there, your intestines, your ovaries, your uterus, your appendix. And it causes a lot of scarring and adhesions inside your body. And what's really interesting with endo is they stage it sort of like cancer stages. So stage one through four, but your stage doesn't necessarily correspond with the amount of pain you have. It corresponds to how much endo scarring you have in your body. Right. So for instance, Kath had stage two, I had stage four prior to our mini surgeries. Mm-hmm. And I, for us, it did correlate. I had extreme, extreme severe pain, but we've had friends who have stage four and don't have any pain. They just find out they have endometriosis when they're trying to get pregnant
3: or they're really, really tired. So they're trying to figure out why that is. Yeah. And the big thing is that there's no cure for endometriosis. Of course, it's it's a woman's disease. So less research has been done on it just throughout history. But the kind of gold standard treatment is to get surgery to help with the pain. So excision surgery where they come in and they don't just cut out the endometriosis, they cut out around the disease cells. So it's like proactively trying to get rid of endometriosis. And Laura and I are both Privileged enough to have gotten that surgery. Yeah. Very few, or I don't know if any of like specialized endo surgeons are on or in network or yeah. in network at all. So it's always very expensive to do. A lot of surgeons will do like ablation, which is just cutting out the endo, not the the disease cells around it, which usually causes more scar tissue and more pain afterwards. So there's all these like levels of treatment and a lot of them aren't good hysterectomies used to be a big quote unquote treatment for endometriosis because a lot of women do have it on the reproductive organs but a lot of women don't so there's throughout history women have gotten hysterectomies and still had the same amount of pain because yeah. their endometriosis was on other organs and not the reproductive organs mm-hmm. so it's it's a really interesting disease and obviously specific to women and it I feel like it's just now getting kind of a spotlight, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: One of the things that my co-pilot here, Caitlin and I talk about a lot is the fact that when women are experiencing things like endometriosis, they are not believed. And so Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of time to get a diagnosis or any kind of treatment if nobody believes what you're saying. So you, you were kind of touching on when you first found out that you had it. And what was that experience like when it came to your, to your doctor? Did he believe you? Did she believe you?
0: No, uh, they didn't. Um, And you're totally right. You and Caitlin (laughs) totally know your, your endo stuff because it takes most women about 70, 10 years to get diagnosed. Um, And then women of color, that's usually 15, 15 plus. So it took us that it took us 15 years. And even with our mom who had it, the doctors never asked, you know, so we
3: never Or them. even if we told them, like, I feel like even if we were like, oh, our mom has endo, we probably do. They would say something like, oh, yeah, you probably do, like, stay on the birth control. That was yeah. it. It wasn't yeah. ever like, well, let's talk through this and figure out how to manage your pain. We
0: definitely found that just going to our gynecologist, you know, if we weren't trying to get pregnant, they weren't really that interested in talking beyond like, oh, you know, just put a Band-Aid on it. I think that's what also prevented us from getting diagnosed earlier. And we were just told the pain was also normal. The other complication with endo is technically you can't be diagnosed without surgery. So they have to go and do a laparoscopic surgery to sort of investigate and see if they can find endo. Like once in a while, a specialist can see it in an ultrasound, but that's very very rare. rare. So that, I think that's also why doctors sort of hesitate to say like, okay, you might have endo. The next steps would be either having the surgery to investigate that. Or you know what would be helpful is just like let's talk about endo. It's an inflammatory disease. It's it's related to the immune system. What are some other things we can do prior to surgery to help you know with your symptoms? But that was never a discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and and definitely, it, I think it's it's healthcare providers either not believing and in, in the pain levels we feel are
3: just themselves not having thing options they can can offer right because isn't it like gynecologists like in school they just have like one day on endometriosis they their training like yeah, and that's and,
0: it and we're talking about it because because we have it but it is actually something that affects 1 in 10 women in the world so that's actually more people than I think type two diabetes mm-hmm. yeah. um, affects people. Yeah. So it's, it's very common and that's probably a very conservative number because yes. it's so underdiagnosed.
2: So uh, now I'm in suspense. I'm wondering who finally <laughs> heard you, like who finally listened to you?
3: Um, no one. No, no it one. Was, <laughs> no. It was actually like, I, <laughs> I give all the credit to Laura because she was the one she was in so much pain. This was around the time they like two years into living in Scotland. Yeah. Um, she was in so much pain that like, on her period, if she had to take the bus that traveled over the cobblestone streets. So like, charming when you're not in pain. <laughs> so charming right. when you're not yeah. in pain, but when you're in pain, you were like, I don't know if I can even take the bus. Yeah. Right.
0: So with endo, I mean, we always had extremely bad cramps growing up. And then into our late 20s, my pain switched to sort of this very sharp, jabby pain. Like I explained it to people, it was like sitting on a bouquet of dulled knives. Like that's what it would feel like on my period for about three to four days of just intense pain. It hurt to sit, it hurt to stand. It's it's incredibly distracting, but I would still try to power through it and go to work. But I knew something was wrong because I was like, these aren't bad cramps. This is feeling bad. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to my gynecologist and I was like, I think I have endo because I literally check off every single symptom when you go onto Dr. Google you know, and look up endometriosis. Right. And she was like, yeah, I bet you do. And that was sort of the end of the conversation. And so, yeah, I we, we moved to Scotland. I was overseas. The pain was increasing, but, you know, I still thought, oh, everyone's just saying, you know, it's what I have to deal with. It's normal. You have bad. I ha- if I have endo, if I don't have endo, it's just going to be bad. I didn't realize other consequences could happen that. Um, I can't just ignore it, and so what happened was I was I had a type of cyst called an endometrioma, which you can get, especially in stage three and stage four endometriosis. Okay, which is like a lot of women get cysts in their bodies. Usually, if they rupture, they're sort of reabsorbed by the body. Once in a while, you have to do surgery. With an endometrioma, I think sometimes they do call it a tumor. They do have to surgically remove it. A little bit like you know really big fibroid, and I could literally feel a lump on my left side over my ovary, and that's why. I finally went to the doctor and I was like, I have a lump. And even then they were kind of like, I guess you can go get an ultrasound. So eventually love nationalized healthcare in so many ways, but it's hard when you're in the UK um, to get specialized care, which this would have been considered specialized care. So after a couple months, I finally got the scan and they were like, Oh yes, you have an endometrioma. I guess that means you have endometriosis. And I was like, Yes, 15 years later. Yes, we
3: decided it's true. <laughs> ding, ding, ding.
0: Um, and so they scheduled me for surgery, and that was another couple months out. And before that could happen, it ruptured and I went into sepsis and all this terrible stuff happened. I was rushed to the hospital. They thought you had appendicitis. And they I had appendicitis. But they just kind of let you sit on it for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it was a horrific time. But that that uh, sort of very traumatic time in the hospital was when they could officially diagnose me and say oh yes you do have endometriosis in fact your left ovary was torqued and stuck behind your uterus and then when the endometrioma sort of ruptured like all of this fluid moved into my pelvic cavity I looked like seven months pregnant within two days and so it was a very and didn't it rupture part of your ovary right because it was on
3: the outer part of your ovary so
0: if I had been diagnosed earlier and had gotten surgery and help earlier that wouldn't have happened and so so, after that experience, I did a bunch of research um, trying to find specialists because I knew I couldn't get the help from even a regular gynecological surgeon. And so that's how Kath and I both ended up a couple years later getting. Excision surgery with a specialist here in Atlanta, and again,
3: very privileged that we could we could do that because most people, you know, it is out of network and and it's in the city that at the time I was living in, our parents were living in, so we could recover. There right. are women like, who fly from Australia to go get specialist surgery in Atlanta or New York, yeah, or, and then stay in a hotel to wow. recover, which I can't imagine. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know?
2: For our listeners that are listening right now, I just want to underscore the message behind this story, which is how much women are not heard by medical professionals and if you feel like you're reporting something and trying to get something across and you're not being believed it's not because you're crazy or because you're wrong uh it's because there's really a huge barrier up for some reason still in in medical care and so what i what i want to ask you to is Looking back on this experience, it sounds like a lot of it could not be helped because it was just the way that medical care was set up. But would you if there is if there are young listeners that think they might be suffering from endometriosis, what's the number one piece of advice that you would give them? Advocate
0: for, for yourself, yourself. Okay. Absolutely. Which is so hard to do, especially when you're young, I feel like, yeah. because you think the doctor knows better than me. If the doctor's saying I don't need a scan or we don't need to look into that, we don't need to look into it. No, absolutely. If you feel something is off in your body, if pain feels more painful than you think it should, don't listen to your doctor who's like, Oh, you'll be fine. Just take over the counter pain meds. Definitely, if it's hard for you to advocate for yourself, if you have a best friend that can go with you, a parent, a, parent, a guardian
3: to go with. You. You to the doctors. Also, I think it's important to write it down when you are having the pain because the interesting thing about endometriosis, most people who have it, it does flare up around the period. Now there's definitely some unlucky ones who have pain constantly yeah. yeah their whole cycle not just on their period but for a lot of us it is around our period and so you'll go to the doctor when you're not on your period and you're feeling much better and you're like oh yeah maybe i meant like blew it out of proportion yeah. i think maybe it was last week
2: yeah blah blah. blah. Yeah, yeah.
3: exactly it's like we're our humans we're so good at like forgetting pain right you yeah. know and so then you start kind of belittling yourself and then you're like oh by the time you talk to the doctor you just want to get out of there i mean you're like, they're not comfortable like appointments anyways so I think having a journal just keep a little notebook and bring it with you to the doctor yeah
0: absolutely especially because I get very nervous going to the doctors mm-hmm. I mean yeah. part of that is from trauma because of my medical history right um, and right. I just I just make sure I write everything down because like I literally get into that paper gown and just start sweating and I'm like I don't remember my own name right I, <laughs> so it's like having it written down is key yeah yeah
2: so now I want to know about the origin story of Samane. Was there a specific moment that you like looked at each other and said, "Okay, it's time for us to make a change in the world. We want to make this company."
0: That is such a good Ooh, question. Oh, I wish there was. It wasn't that like it was more selfish. Sexy. It, it, was was more, like, it was more. It was more selfish. It was than more that. organic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, organic. <not> yeah. <laughs>
0: selfish. It was organic. No, but honestly, um, so Kath and I had had you know these surgeries for endo are. Period pain is definitely way less, but we still get a lot of pain on our period. Actually, Catherine's on our period right now. and It's so, not fun. It's not fun. And we were looking for other options. I specifically wanted something that wasn't going to hurt my stomach all the time. I had taken decades of ibuprofen at this point, and it just weakened my stomach lining. And so I could take Tylenol, but that wasn't really working. And luckily enough, our a silent... Third co-founder Matt, who's my husband. Yes, he's a research scientist, and he was like, "I'm going to figure this out for you." His background: he's a he has a PhD from, bio, from uh, Georgia Tech in bioengineering, and at the time we were living in Seattle, he was working at UW at a pathology lab and studying aging, but specifically looking at you know the way inflammation leads to you know accelerated aging. And so he was like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna think about this. We're gonna do a lot of clinical research. We as in he, because I, <laughs> I don't do that. You're like great." Um, Um,
2: Go to it. Yeah, I'm like,
0: okay, yeah, yeah, read some more. Like, I'll be the guinea pig, you do the rest of the (laughs) work. Yeah, and that's basically what he did. There's a lot of good clinical studies actually on different plant extracts and how they can help dysmenorrhea, which is basically the clinical term for painful periods. So a lot of good studies on like vitamin D or green tea. Magnesium. Magnesium. And so he was starting to mix all these different ingredients together in my morning smoothies. And I had a pain-free period, which has never happened in my life. At that point, I think, I was 32, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "What is this magical elixir?"
3: Yes. <laughs> um, and. And Kath was like, okay, give me some. Yeah.
1: Um, So they literally sent me
0: like this little
3: (laughs) jar over to Atlanta from Seattle with little like handwritten instructions, like put two teaspoons of this in your smoothie in the morning. (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) So,
0: and that's how it was born because we, I mean, being part of the Indo community and just having friends who have painful periods, we were like, we know we aren't the only ones. Mm -hmm. And if we're looking for a sort of more natural solution, and I always have to caveat this and say that. I find it really ironic that we now sell plant-based supplements because with the severe pain we've had with endo, I would have never thought something natural could touch it. I was always, that's why I took the ibuprofen or took whatever the doctors gave me because I was like, "That's the only thing that sort of touches the pain. So it's so encouraging to know that actual science has proven (laughs) that there are other
3: things that you can do to help with lowering inflammation, essentially. And I think it's so interesting that it wasn't until Matt was doing all this research and we were trying different products that... I understood the connection between inflammation and period pain. Like that's not something you're taught. Obviously it makes sense because when you have inflammation elsewhere in your body, you experience pain, but I never thought like just on a very basic level, like reduce your inflammation, reduce your period pain. I mean, of course, a lot of people find that anti-inflammatory diets really help with their pain. It helps with other diseases too, like autoimmune diseases, but you're never taught that connection. Like growing up as a a kid, you know, health class is just like how how to put a pad on your underwear, right? Right. You're not, I feel like you're not really taught those things. And so what makes the main different than some other remedies and solutions out there is that it is. Just anti-inflammatory. There's nothing hormonal in it, so technically anybody can take it. Matt and takes it if he Matt takes it. We have some other male friends that take it for joint pain, for headaches, for whatever. But it was really important to us, not just because of our history, but our knowledge that women are so dismissed yeah. in their pain that we wanted to make it specifically a product for people with periods.
0: Yeah, and and specifically again, I we've been finding that you know women of color are dismissed much more by their doctors. So even as you know we're white passing POCs, but to be dismissed again and again, and to, to know that especially for black women and indigenous women, your pain and discomfort is believed even less. It was a study in 2016, I think from the university of Virginia that showed that medical students, so this is 2016, 50% of them still thought that black people experienced pain differently from white people. And so those are people who are now doctors today. And to know that You just think I'm going into this situation already, where someone is going to think I can withstand pain more than
3: other people. Our trans men who have periods that are being totally dismissed or not treated. Yeah. Uh,
2: I can't. I can't believe this. I can't believe that we're living in a world where this is still (laughs) still an issue. And at the same time, not surprised to hear these facts at all. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not surprised. So what did people around you say as you were developing this company? Did they think that you were crazy for going out on a <laughs> limb like this? Or what was your, I mean, I clearly, uh, there was husband support, but. Um,
0: there, there was a husband support, yeah. yes. he. Um, but everybody else, it was funny because I really thought everyone would be, everyone would say like, wait, you're starting a supplement for periods. I just thought people would be like,
3: okay. Or like politely just be like, that's very and nice.
0: nice. But, you know. Yeah. 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 Oh, interesting. If that's yeah. what you want to do. But we were I was shocked. People were at the time I was living in Seattle. Um, and I feel like sometimes Seattleites can be a little reserved but people would be like, <laughs> my gosh, oh my gosh, it's
2: so tr- I'm a Seattleite and I, <laughs> right? I we. I it's very true. But like I can right? shout on the microphone but as a person to person, I'm very reserved. Continue. I sorry to interrupt.
3: No, absolutely. 100%. It's so true. When I would go visit it, you know, I've been in Atlanta for like 15 plus years. I'm so used to the Southern culture. And I would go to Seattle and I'd be like, that person, that stranger did not say hi to me on the street. What Whoa. is that?" And Laura was like, Seattle freeze. It's a thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which, which I am an introvert. So I totally get it. Right. I was like, I get the, I get the Seattle list. but I was, I was shocked people in Seattle, all of our introvert selves, people were still like, oh my gosh, yes, I have painful periods. Tell me
3: when it's ready. Well, um, even um, our Asian aunts who are like, you know, culturally, they're very... Reserved, They're very in their quiet 80s now. Yeah, they do not talk about bodily functions at yeah. all. They like they totally without us like pushing them would open up and be like, Oh, I had incredibly painful periods. This was horrible. And you know, we had never talked about we that loved it. Them. We got to hear everybody's stories, you mm-hmm. know, and it sort of brought everybody close together. And people who were more like acquaintances would even be like, Oh, let me tell you about my period. And we'd be like, Yes, please <laughs> do. We just loved it. it now, so men, cool. it was it was a mixed bag. I feel like some like totally got it. Especially either folks that were less folks that were married, but more folks that had daughters. Yeah. I feel like we're more open to it. But like some of them, I feel like they were just like, oh, okay, like just the word period. Kind or of I, freak had, out. I yeah. had
0: one friend. I mean, he's married. He has a kid. And he, Does he have a daughter? No, it is a son. Okay. And I was like, I'm starting a company where we're making a supplement for people with painful periods. And he goes, periods of what?
3: And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) hey, periods of menstruation. (laughs) I don't know.
0: Do you mean
2: like the Bush era or?
0: (laughs) 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 But overall, I would say it was it was a really good response. And I'm surprised. I mean, I I'm a graphic designer, art director. Kath is working in local government nobody was like, this is really weird guys. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Which now that I think back of
3: it. I'm like, we have some cool people around
0: us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also I hope that it just means like people are ready for this shift in change. Right. Yes. And, and one believing women, believing people more when they say they're in pain. And, and I think also the, you know, the wellness industry has exploded in the last five to 10 years. And we always talk about that We think that happened because women or people who feel like they haven't been heard had to find other areas or other outlets, other solutions to help them with maybe it's, you know, um, different symptoms with an autoimmune disease or Mm -hmm. something where you're not getting the answers from traditional Western medicine channels. And, you know, we we obviously science, being science backed and, and based in sort of the academic background that Matt has is very important to us, but we would never throw away the wellness side because I think there was a reason why that grew so big.
2: What I think is really the, the biggest treatment that you're giving the world is making this a part of the conversation, making your stories part of the conversation about health, giving everyone from your aunts to your friends permission to talk about something that for some reason women are still made to feel ashamed of talking about. One of I was while you were talking about it, I was thinking, uh Caitlin's gonna roll her eyes when I say this, but I when I was younger, I read Virginia Wolf's diary from the turn of the century. And in like 1905, and she was talking about how she would have her older sister go buy pads for her because she was so humiliated by the just the process of buying pads. And it's a little insane that over a hundred years later, we still are in the same place where women feel ashamed of talking about, or even getting the treatment or products that they need to take care of their periods, you know?
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy to me that, yeah, Virginia Woolf, where you're like, wow, what a a mind and a scholar. And you don't think about so, like liberal and like when she yeah. was older and
3: stuff, the yeah. community
0: she was around. That's amazing. And you're right. I mean, not much has changed. Like we it's like two steps forward, one step back. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, in a hundred years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's
0: a very slow I mean, dance. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, Going into Target, we're in what's called the FemCare aisle. So it's the aisle with the pads, tampons, and washes. And someone explained to us, who's also in that aisle, another company, they were like, our customers still feel it's a hold your breath aisle. Mm-hmm. You, you hold your breath, you go in, you grab the box, you know, you want, and you leave, you know, you go to target and you see people browsing the beauty aisles and yeah. clothing. And we
3: want to make the care aisle, like the beauty, the beauty aisle, aisle like, where you're like fun figuring out like what would work for you and trying different things. Yeah. And yeah. I hope we can get it there. Yeah. And so,
0: so Virginia Wolf could walk down the aisle and be yeah. excited about picking up her camera. She didn't need Vanessa
3: to go. Yeah. <laughs> Pick out her bed.
2: Oh my God, you know her <laughs> sister's name. I love that. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I it, when I look at your website, there's just a feeling of brightness and, you know, it's like you see herbs and powders and bright colors and it's a feeling of like, oh, I want to get into this. This is this is a happy moment. This is like a little um, health picnic instead of like a, a black and white image of a woman with her face in her hands, just like that kind of like, <laughs> yes, this is totally. the bad place, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Absolutely know that. And that's what we wanted to do with the bright colors. And also in some ways to touch on the accessibility side of, of wellness, we didn't want it to feel like, this um, exclusive exclusive super wealthy you've got to be able to spend $50 a month on a supplement yeah um we want to make sure that especially you know if the people that are being you know disbelieved in their their discomfort already are the people who usually don't have access to, to health care the same way or wellness. We right. want to make sure we're definitely targeting that community and being as accessible as possible.
3: And like we, we, we did run an ad that did say, was it enjoy, enjoy your, your period. period? And we knew that was going to be a little triggering for some people or some people were like, what are you talking about? You can't enjoy your period. Right. But we want to try at least not to hate your period. Right. Yeah. And so we're not being flippant about it. Like, Oh, just get over we yourself. We hundred percent have been those people that, I mean, we hated our periods
0: for decades. Totally. Essentially. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, when, when Kath was 16, she was, she told our mom, like, I can't wait till I hit menopause. I wish it would come to Well, No. When I had my first period, I asked
3: for a <laughs> hysterectomy. <laughs> <laughs> oh I didn't know what that was, but I knew it meant you didn't get your period anymore.
2: We have a lot in common. We have very bold reactions. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> no, no moderate reactions. Like take
3: it out of me. Just, just take <laughs> just, it all just out. Take it all out. I don't need it. <laughs>
2: Now you plan to formulate new women's health supplements as well. And I'm wondering without giving too much away, what are some of your dreams for the future of some health?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we probably will give too much away because we're so excited. <laughs> <inside> <laughs> them. Um, well, the, the next one is sort of more of like a daily balance that you would take every single day to help with your mood and your sort of energy balance and skin. We're looking sort of more at like insulin resistance. Cause that's something that is closely, tied with a lot of irregular periods and having cystic acne. So, and that's stuff we've, we've experienced as well. And then another one that I'm really excited about, this is not what it's going to be called, but it's going to be for period poops Yeah, because that
3: is a thing we get asked about. I still want time. to figure out how we can put that on packaging. I yeah, mean, maybe we, we could, I don't know. Um, we'll but- see what the FDA says. <laughs>
0: But we really want to help sort of like double down in the period space because there aren't a lot, you know, there's a lot of supplements for skin and hair, collagen, and even for like UTIs, I feel like you hear a little bit more about more taboo subjects, but not really for periods themselves. And it's something that almost every woman goes through on a cyclical basis. And it's just crazy that there aren't more things apart from, you know, Midol and Pamprin that have been around for decades and decades and haven't changed. So we really want to focus on on making, like Kat was saying, making periods something that you do actually enjoy or look forward to, or at least want to browse that aisle because it's fun. And at least know
3: you have like different tools in your toolbox to help with your period.
0: Exactly. I mean, success to us really would be that other companies start doing this because then it means that, you know, like the money is, is sitting up and listening and and, mm-hmm. and putting it towards women's health and research. And hopefully that's what's going to change.
2: Well, just today, because we were doing this podcast and talking to you, we were able to talk about women's health and period issues earlier in the podcast and you're opening the conversation. And I hope that everyone listening feels like I do right now, which is you can talk about this stuff and... And every woman and every ally to women should feel comfortable about making this something that we can really be open about and remove the shame from. So I think that's, thank you so much.
0: Oh my gosh. No, thank you for letting us talk about all of these things, all all your platform. You are giving, you are giving us the platform to do that and to reach more people. So thank you. Thank you so much.
2: I'm excited and I can't wait to see what's next. Okay, Caitlin, that was our interview for today.
1: Yeah, it's really um, always mind-blowing to be reminded that, like, women's pain is so ignored, you know?
2: I don't understand why it's so mind-blowing, though, because basically, out of the 20 episodes we've done, 10 have been about women's pain being ignored, but yeah. it's still a shock every time to have it reiterated by so many people.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, mind-blowing in the way that, like, there's no blanket equality act yet mind-blowing, because yeah, right. you just feel kind of like embarrassed by our world yeah and just to be reminded over and over that like while all the progress we've made over the decades (laughs) of being a country or whatever you know it's like there's still so much more to do
2: yeah and that's why it feels great to do this podcast and I was thinking about that in the middle of recording I was thinking I'm so glad that I do this because I learned so much today. Yeah. And if I ever feel like I can just like dust off my hands and walk away and be done with activism, then I listen to this and I'm like, wow, I have so much more to do. And I feel so inspired. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I hope everyone else feels the way I do after this episode, just charged up in love with those ladies.
1: Yeah, and and like walk away feeling like they've learned a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. Go talk to specifically go talk to another person that is going through what you're going through with periods and just have yeah. a conversation where you say, "Oh my gosh, it's this way for me. Is it that way for you? How do you feel?" And then yeah. Go up to a a, a dude that makes jokes about periods and Uh and give him a taste of your medicine. And if you're a
1: man listening, talk to your female friends about what they go through. Yeah. It could be way worse and more complicated than you even realize.
2: Right. Leave that door of communication open because you're encouraging someone to open up a part of their life to you and a really big part of their life. Yeah. Anyway, enough about that. It's time for us to take a little break. Okay, we're back. Now, first of all, I want to say this. If you liked your time with us today, which, I mean, if you didn't, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Because those ladies were so much fun. (laughs) If you liked your time with us today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love reviews. In fact, we love them so much, we're going to read some of our favorite reviews right here at the end of the show. Caitlin, do you have a favorite review this week?
1: I do. This one says, This podcast has opened my eyes to so many little corners of so many diverse, incredible women. After listening to the Julia Tertian episode, I went out and bought her cookbook myself, and I am so excited to try the recipes. I've gone through and bookmarked nearly every page with recipes I want to try first. I love the show and can't wait to hear even more. (laughs)
2: It <laughs> makes me so happy. I know.
1: I mean, I feel like we say this all the time, but it really makes us so thrilled to know that our listeners are interacting with the guests that we have and supporting them. Yeah. You know?
2: Especially because they're doing such incredible things and they deserve your support. So we want to thank you so much for, you know, I can only yap on the mic, but it's up to All of you to go out there and make a difference and that's what you're doing. So I appreciate it. But enough about that, Caitlin, it's time for the credits. (laughs) Your favorite part. (laughs) You got to rush to the credits (laughs) because we love that. This podcast was produced by Caitlin Gretham, who's doing a great job, by the way.
1: Thank you. I've really been finding lots of guests recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just
2: emailing. We can barely keep up with all the people that we're talking to. So look out, Studio 71, our distributor. (laughs) We are about to we have a lot of things in the pipeline, okay? Uh. Anyway, it was produced by Caitlin Gretham, and then I did it. The cast includes me and also Caitlin, and this podcast is distributed by the amazing Studio 71. So thank you for joining us today. Make sure to tune in next Monday for another exciting episode. And remember, if you ever feel down, all you have to do is look in the mirror and say, she's a woman, and I'll be with you. The coffee really hit at the right time. Today. Yeah,
1: it did. Also, <laughs> didn't those sisters make you like feel like, why don't I have a twin?
2: Oh, absolutely! It made me want to call my sister. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And be like, but you know, and then I'm like, Caitlin, you know, we have like a twin-y relationship because we talk all the time. Yeah,
1: it's true. Our brains are molded. Is it still recording? Yes. Okay.